All right, hi everyone. This is Raylene Camerano with Skin Deep, and today I have a special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me, Raylene. I'm happy to be here. I'm Michelle Dowd. I'm professor of journalism and advisor to student media. I'm very excited to have you here on today's podcast. Um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, my first question is about what age did you start noticing your perceived flaws? <laughs> uh, probably before I had language to identify them. Um, I I come from a family who uh, believes that everything can be fixed. And um, so, I don't know. I think in, in terms of beauty flaws, probably by the time I was 10, I was acutely aware of the specific standards of the way, the difference between the way I was perceived and the way I felt about myself. But as far as self-judgment, I mean, I would honestly say it by age three or four, I was self-assessing um, what was wrong with me. Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately. Sorry. I think it's common probably. <laughs> yes. More, more common than what we would like, I believe. Agreed. How have those perceived flaws and insecurities influenced your life? I think they used to influence me more. So there's hope, girls out there. <laughs> I think that... When I was a teenager, I had very low self-esteem and it was probably less about looks um, and more about my relationship to mm, the value that I thought that I could contribute to the world. So I came from a very uh, athletic culture and to me, I think looks were less about how, I feel like I'm not saying this right, let me start over, you can edit that out. <laughs> I think that the my perceived flaws made it so that all I could see is the things that I couldn't do, and I didn't recognize the things I could. <laughs> Both are great answers. Um, how do company-influenced insecurities differ from family-influenced insecurities? So what I mean by that is, you know, you have these insecurities and perceived flaws that you grow up with um, from those around you and how they influence those upon you, um, and then you also have the company company influenced perceived flaws uh that you go through when you read magazines and you watch tv um things like that so how how do they differ for you i think in my case they differ significantly i was not raised on media i was not raised with television or movies so i didn't encounter those things until college i think some of my foundational understanding of my flaws are still primarily familial based. Now, as any woman knows, you can't go into a store without being bombarded with images. You can't drive mm -hmm. on the freeway without being bombarded with images. Right. So I certainly see a youth culture and I am influenced by that, but I also work with youth. So youth is something that is promulgated and it is an unrealistic depiction of youth because not only is everyone clear skinned and thin and happy, mm -hmm. um, but also confident. And in my experience, I think working with young people, there's a disconnect between the way that media portrays youth and the reality of how young people feel about themselves. And I think because I'm acutely aware of that, when I see media, I don't internalize as much myself. And I think about it in terms of all the young women I know and how, when I look at it, I think, oh, wow, how does that affect? And, you know, names come into my mind. Not to say that being thin isn't something that I still see as the ideal, but I think that I personally have been 
more accustomed to thinking of strength as more valuable than frailty. I found it interesting that you said confident when you were bringing up the uh, things that you're bombarded with when you walk into a store because that's funny when you see those images and these women look so confident and they're like, oh, I want to be that. Probably when they're being uh, shot in the studio, they're being like, oh, I don't know if my hair looks good. And that's, that's an Absolutely. interesting. And those, they are playing a role. They're acting when mm-hmm. they are taking those shots. Most of those girls feel incredibly insufficient as human beings. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of reports of women who talk about their time modeling and how awful they felt about themselves the entire time. So maybe also because I believe in media literacy, I know that there's a difference between the way that we perceive an image and what it took to create that image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, do you believe companies are more or less influential now than how they were when you were growing up? So for you in college, um, how and why? I think they're more influential than they were when I was young. I believe that because of smart devices primarily mm-hmm. in the sense that um, companies have an ability to entwine themselves into your daily life. So instead of just having to walk into a store, young people are seeing these images every time they're going to send a text message or, you know, they're popping up. Obviously, social media is new, new enough that it wasn't something that affected me when I was in my late teens. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind that young people are prey to so much more advertising manipulation than they were 20 years ago. What are some beauty standards that influenced you um, specifically? And do you still follow them to this day? It's very easy to get dated, I think, with your beauty standards. And I try not to do that. (laughs) I was not, let me say it this way. I think one of the key beauty standards that I bought into in early college was again that thinness Mm -hmm. and I had anorexia as a teenager and then a brief stint of bulimia so by the time I was 19 I had already been through hospitalization for all that at 19 I made some significant changes in my life and I made the conscious choice which I've stuck to to this day to never diet again and I think that actually puts me in the minority of women by far I have not been on a single diet since I was 19 of any sort. I've never counted a calorie. And I decided to redefine myself from by how I felt rather than how I looked to other people. That being said, it was an incredibly difficult journey to get to that point. But I think because it got so bad for me, I'm committed to not allowing myself to go down that road again. That's really interesting. That That's also a really good thing to live by, not no diets, because that's... I also the, don't weigh myself at all, ever. Key point. <laughs> I do not have a scale in the house. Now, I do... Ca- I mean, I can't say I don't care about... I do care about fitness, and I do care about mobility. Like, mm-hmm. I don't... And I, I do think, you know, statistically from my age, I'm in great shape. But I think... So it's not that if I don't care, but I don't care from the perspective of how other people assess me. I care by the way that I feel inside my body. Right. Yeah. And to look at it that way in the sense of like you feel great when um, you're working out or for you like yoga and stuff like that's a great way to look at your body. And I think it's uncommon. And I Mm -hmm. think that honestly, we should teach very young girls before even at the age of 10 to think about fitness and health from the inside out. 
Mm-hmm. I truly believe that that's the only way we can combat the onslaught of advertising that's probably only getting worse. I, I don't think it's about to change. And statistically, there are more girls under the age of 10 on diets than there have ever been in recorded history. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I, I feel like we need to fact check this, but it's something like two thirds of girls who are 13 have already become acutely conscious of their weight and restrict what they eat specifically to look a certain way. That's a pretty high statistic. Very high. Interesting and unfortunate. That, un, very unfortunate. Um, now a bit more personal. Um, have you influenced any of those beauty standards that uh, you learned that, that you went through onto your children? It's a great question. So partly because, I, as I mentioned, I work with young people, young adults. I don't work with kids. I work with young adults. I think that I, and since I started doing that when I was a very young adult, I started teaching college at 22, I believe that I felt socially responsible because of what I had been through to not inflict that on the next generation whether that's in the classroom or my own children. My children are now older, but they, and I think I can say this with some confidence, none of them ever diet. They are all, in my opinion, they have a healthy relationship to food. Now, as far as their attachment to image, to fashion, to makeup, they all buy into you know the necessity to look Mm -hmm. a certain way I feel that that's a really difficult thing to get away from I feel compelled to wear makeup to this day in ways that I don't think should be necessary but I feel are necessary professionally I feel if I don't then it looks like I'm not making an effort Mm -hmm. so did I teach my children that wearing makeup for example is necessary not overtly but probably by example I'm guessing that I passed that on Yes. Now, how has that impact? How has that impacted you as a mother? Not as much as I don't have regrets specifically, other than the one in which I don't know how to cure my relationship with social and cultural constructs. Mm-hmm. My daughters borrow my products. I borrow theirs. Um, we're pretty open about, oh, this would look really great on you. Here, I got mm-hmm. this as a sample. This would be better on you. You know, we have very you know communal attitude Mm -hmm. towards fashion and and i consider makeup a portion of fashion as i do hairstyle Mm -hmm. Um, my daughters happen to go to the same hairstylist they're same person who cuts hair as (laughs) i do and we so we often are sharing the same products that we're getting there so i think that it is a little bit for me at this point a way that mm, i interact with femininity with the culture of femininity. I have a son too, and we don't have any of those conversations. And I think that as a woman, it's something that perhaps takes too much energy. I would suggest that it does. But on the other hand, I try to use it as a bonding tool. So I don't have, I don't think that the way that my daughters and I, and I do have three daughters, which I may not have mentioned, I don't think that the way that we interact with beauty, at least with each other, comes from a negative place. We never emphasize to each other, you need to do this to fix yourself. You know, we say, hey, this would highlight those really great cheekbones you have or, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) Maybe I have a different question for you. Um, You said you have three daughters and one son Um, because of I mean, I feel like I'm assuming this. uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong, um, that he grew up in a very uh, woman influenced household. How do you um, how do you think that he feels in the sense that these beauty standards that they went through and that um, you've helped them or helped your daughters with, um, 
Do you think those have had an influence on his life? I think being around feminine energy certainly had an influence. I think that our culture is so strong that he didn't internalize any of those beauty standards. He doesn't have, a f- he's fashion conscious, I guess, but he doesn't feel that you can only look one way as a man. You know, he's much more comfortable in his skin, mm-hmm. I think, even than the girls are. My son happens to have very long hair. He wears a man bun. He <laughs> won't listen to this, so I think it's okay that I say this. <laughs> he has uh, longer hair than any of the daughters right now. His hair is waist length, and he wears it up in a man bun wow. all the time. And he often has me trim it. Uh, he doesn't live with me. He lives with his girlfriend. But he is, she's very proud of his hair, and she wants her hair to look <laughs> as good as his does. So he sometimes borrows shampoo and stuff like that from me, too, or asks questions about, like, you know, um, hair, which I think is really interesting. He has uh, very thick hair like I do. And um, it's. I think that's the only thing maybe that he has that would be perhaps associated with femininity. But I think he's also very confident in his masculinity. Like, I don't think that he feels he has to uh, prove that he's a man because I think he's always defined himself in opposition culturally to a house full of women. Mm-hmm. Now, he does have a father, you know, so he has a relationship with his father as well. But I think that the negative parts of what women experience in terms of cultural influences that we can't live up to, he was fortunately spared of most of that being mm-hmm. a boy and not because I protected him from it but just because the culture didn't require it now my last question for you what advice do you have for young women today turn off your phone <laughs> <laughs> um, great I, advice I know and, and in media it's impossible I don't turn on my phone off either I think that quite honestly media literacy and understanding that what you're perceiving is not the truth that it, it might as well be an avatar, what you're saying. This is somebody's representation or company's representation of the ideal, but nobody is actually the ideal. And that we all have character strengths, we all have fitness strengths, we have beauty strengths. And for young women to recognize their strengths and play to those and to not look at women who have other strengths as being someone they're in competition with, but rather to look at that and say, wow, you know, uh, that's interesting look. I couldn't pull that off, you know, and just like look at it and just be like, that's, you know, just the way you would maybe with a different ethnicity saying like, that's, you know, gorgeous, um, radiant hair and my hair doesn't fit in, you know, fit into that. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to do something that I'm not capable of genetically achieving. I think if we looked at more aspects of ourselves, like our body size, instead of trying to alter our body size to be what whatever we perceive or the companies perceive as being the ideal body size, recognizing that we are born with a certain body size, or at least in our, as we start to become adults, we have like a, a base level and doing the most that we can with that, which means what makes me feel good? How can I exercise in a way that is sustainable for my desire, my, um, my aptitude? You know, what kind of exercise makes me feel good? And then how can I, how can I be a version of myself that I'm proud of? rather than thinking about how I can make somebody else proud. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) Great. Well, that is all that I have for you today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on here with me and for being so open to my questions. To end this podcast, you can find me on Twitter at Shailene August and on Instagram, my photography page at Raylene Shay. And Michelle, if you want, go ahead and put your input. (laughs) Well, thank you, Raylene. Those were insightful questions. I didn't see them coming. And 
um, you got me thinking. I have a lot more to think about, as I suppose we all do. Uh, You can find me online on Twitter at Michelle Dowd too. And I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening and hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. You too.